G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is entitled, Where's the Joy in Fasting? And it's part of a series called Empty Filled, Discovering the Meaning and Power of Lent. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Our first reading is from Isaiah chapter 58. Verses 1 to 8. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if, the, sorry, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen? to lose the chains of the injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 1965, Angus Barbary checked into Merrifield Hospital in Dundee, Scotland. He was sick and tired of being overweight and after frustrations with other treatments, He fasted from all foods. Initially, only a short fast was planned by the doctors, but Angus had an ideal weight in mind, so he kept fasting. Doctors couldn't see any negative health effects, so they gave him vitamins, yeast, electrolytes, and water, and allowed him to continue. Angus Barbary fasted for 382 days. During that time, he lost 125 kilos, going from 207 to 82 in a year. Today, we're going to look at where's the joy in fasting. But we're not going to be talking about dieting fasting or fasting for medical treatment. While fasting has proven to help with weight loss, energy levels, gut health, 
And even there's some studies to suggest that it helps with some forms of cancer. Today we're going to be talking about fasting for God. And as with last week, I've written you another acrostic poem. Uh, How romantic is that? And we're going to look at um, how fasting frees your mind, helps you to ask yourself who is in control, allows you to share time and gifts and energy with, with others, and helps you to thrive in Christ. So let's look at freeing your mind. Oh, it's disappeared. There we go. We'll go back. There we go. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> David Karkish calls fasting the kale of spiritual disciplines. We know it's good for us, but we're not looking for it on the menu when we go to the pub. But as we saw last week, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And I guess a good question to start with is, why? Well, it sounds a little bit hippy-dippy, but Jesus went into the desert to free his mind, to spend time with God and pray. Jesus had so much to do, so much to show the world, and ultimately he had to die to save the world. Before he did that, though, he had to spend time in fasting and in prayer. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, I am so busy now that if I did not spend three hours each day in prayer, I could not get through the day. Often we think of fasting as giving up food, but it's not necessarily food. Fasting is about vowing a period of time to God to give something up to free your mind. You can fast from anything. You can fast from chocolate. You can fast from alcohol. You can fast from your smartphone. You can fast from shopping. You can fast from showering. <laughs> no, that last one is that last one is just a joke. And and I have I showered this morning. Okay, so you can come near me after the service. <laughs> but we can we can forget we can we can give up all sorts of things. The question is motive. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, When you fast, notice it's when you fast, not if you fast. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others their fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Lots of people would do a fast every Monday in Bible times. On Monday and Thursday of the week, they would fast twice a week. But as Jesus points out, so many of them did not free up their minds to God, but enslaved themselves to public opinion. Jesus' point is that they got respect from people, but they missed out on intimacy with God. Jesus knows that when we truly fast for God, we free up time, energy, and focus. This is the joy of fasting. Augustine of Hippo said, "Um, The exercise of fasting will be effective only to the extent that we free ourselves from the desires leading to infatuation with this world. Take the example of filling an empty container. God means to fill each of you with what is good. So cast out what is bad. 
If he wishes to fill you with honey and you are full of sour wine, where is the honey to go? The vessel must be emptied of its contents and then be cleansed. Fasting is a self-emptying of sorts. And this is why fasting is such a powerful tool to help us know Christ. It frees up our minds and frees them up enough to ask ourselves, who is really in control of my life? Psychologist Jonathan Haidt likens our consciousness to an elephant and a rider. Our brains are the rider trying to steer a much larger and stronger beast that is our bodies and needs to work at it. In 21st century Australia, we're controlled by our appetites and wants. And it's a bit like the elephant has thrown off the rider and trampled him into the mud. The food industry in Australia is worth $131 billion every year. Much of that, I think about a third of that is fast food. Education is worth $40.3 billion. So a third of that. Fasting is rare today, even in churches. It happens sometimes for surgery or for weight loss. But why would you fast for God? Let me tell you why. It's because God is more important than the fast food industry. Eternal life with Jesus is more important than a Big Mac. Matthew 6 says this, Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. In our culture, we're so driven by the elephant that any attempt to restrain our passions is seen as a bad thing rather than a good thing. But our physical and worldly desires don't deserve to control our lives. They get us into trouble. How often do you eat that extra plate of food and think, hmm, that was a mistake? Or you give in to that urge to write that angry email and click send and go, what have I done? (laughs) Or perhaps you hit the snooze button one too many times and find yourself late for an appointment or for a meeting with a friend. Our bodies and their desires are wonderful servants, but they are horrible masters. Instead, Jesus tells us to put God first and let all things follow. When we let the Holy Spirit take control of the elephant, that is our bodies, when we say, Jesus, you are the boss of my life, take the reins, all of a sudden we find joy in the Lord. Paul in Philippians chapter 3, Philippians is a book that's all about joy. He writes this, I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction and their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they may be like his glorious body. 
cutting things out of our lives. Not just food, but distractions. Even good things for a time. Can allow that hunger of desire to remind us who is really in control of me. And who I rely on for joy. When you fast, you'll discover what's truly necessary in your life and what's not. You'll be able to share time, gifts, and energies with others. This week, a friend of mine told me about his mentor who would hold big, lavish barbecues with lots of friends. And when they asked him, he he would sit on the barbecue sharing food with the people that he loved. But when the people asked him why he wasn't eating, he would tell them that he was in the middle of a 21-day food fast. And he did it with joy. This guy would use the extra money, food, and time he had every week to share hospitality with his friends. And he did it, not disfiguring himself and talking about how hungry he was, but he did it because he loved God and loved the people around him. When you fast, you'll often find you have extra food, extra money, and extra time to share. The worst thing you can do when you're fasting, and I've done this before, is get cranky and take your withdrawals out on other people. The prophet Isaiah writes about this very thing. And he says, On the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. In Isaiah's day, people would fast regularly, but they couldn't understand why God wasn't hearing their prayers. And Isaiah says, You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. When you fast, you don't need to broadcast and tell everyone. Instead, Jesus tells us to keep our promises between God and ourselves. You can, however, use your lunch hour to serve someone else. Give your food and money that you're not using to someone who needs it. Or put away your phone and spend time with the people around you. Isaiah writes this. Is this not the type of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. I had a very interesting stat this morning that I think is worth sharing with you. Right now in the Ukraine, well, right now in in the country of Poland, which is right next to the Ukraine, one million Ukrainian refugees are, are living. But there are no refugee camps It's quite cold, it's coming into spring, but it's also Lent. And Poland is a very, very spiritual country with deep deep Christian roots. And they're accepting wave after wave of refugees. 
So why are there no refugee camps? It's because people are opening their homes and people are setting up shelters all over the place so that people would be warm, would be fed and would be cared for. Fasting frees us up to spend time with God and to serve others. And there's deep, deep joy in that. This is why John Piper calls fasting an intensifier. It's giving up something for a better thing. It's a joy that allows us to thrive in Christ. Does anyone want to guess what Angus Barbary's first meal was when he finally broke his fast after 380 days? Does anyone want to guess? McDonald's, yeah. <laughs> a Big Mac, a juicy, juicy steak, maybe. Does anyone want to guess? It was an egg on toast. Yeah, he had an egg on toast. And he told reporters after the fast, I thoroughly enjoyed my egg and I feel quite full. Angus's time of fasting helped him to enjoy life all the more and to find satisfaction. It's the same with our spiritual lives. Times of fasting help us to deepen our relationships and friendship with God and also with the people around us and help us to enjoy the good things in life even more when we break our fast. I love fasting over Lent because when Easter comes and I break my fast, I'm reminded even more of what Jesus has done for me. My joy is intensified. In going through times of withdrawal and hunger, it's almost as if part of Jesus' suffering on the cross is extended onto us. We get to taste what he went through for us. Hebrews 12.2 says this, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus gave something up. Jesus took time out from heaven so that we could enjoy it with him. I love those closing lines of Isaiah, which Dell read. And it talks about true fasting, and it says, When you fast truly with righteousness, then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. My moments of discomfort and withdrawal for Jesus remind me of his goodness and grace. Anything I give up for Jesus, I will get back with interest, along with the joy that I find in him. This is a picture of an African, um, an African martyr. Her name was Perpetua. And the church celebrated her life this week. 
Perpetua was an educated Roman woman who became a Christian. I think it's God calling. Um, an educated Roman woman who um, became a Christian in her late teens or early 20s. Her diary, which you can still read today, is the oldest piece, the oldest diary um, written by a woman in existence. And she tells the story of how she became a Christian and her father begged her not to. He begged her to go back to the Roman gods, but she couldn't. So she was sent to jail. In jail, she spent time fasting and praying to God, and there God gave her visions of his love and grace and of heaven. Eventually, Perpetua and five friends, some of whom were preparing to be baptized, were led to an arena where they were attacked by wild animals. The animals didn't manage to kill them, so they kept praying for each other, and in the middle of the arena, they kissed each other goodbye. Finally, a soldier was told to execute them. Now, it's strange that I should use this as an example of thriving in Christ, but this is what living for Jesus is all about. If we can't give up anything for Jesus then we should really ask ourselves, what am I truly living for? By discovering our purpose in Christ, like Perpetua, we free our minds up for him. We put him firmly in the centre of our existence. We share our time, gifts and energies with others. And God helps us to thrive in him. Friends, right now, Perpetua is feasting at the Lord's table. May this season of repentance, prayer, and fasting draw us there as well. There is deep, deep joy in fasting. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.